Anais Nen said, we see the world not as it is, but as we are. Meaning we see through filters like our experiences, our culture, our personality, and lots of other filters. Seeing crystal clear though, 2020 vision is also an option. Today, let's talk about that. Welcome to Healing 101, the podcast presented by Seabliss Wellness. I'm your coach and guide on the journey, Gina Colbreth. For my seasoned students, I'm so glad you're back. And for my first timers, I'm so glad you came. Today, we're going to talk about perspective, not through your physical eyes, but through your awareness of self. Let's review. Last week, we were in the first lesson from our Live From Within unit, which was self-referral versus object referral. Some key vocabulary terms. Object referral is when your roles, your titles, your possessions, or your accomplishments determine what you think about yourself internally. Self-referral, on the other hand, is when what you think about yourself internally determines how you show up in the world, the choices that you make, how you show up in your role as a mother, how you show up as your title of vice president at your job, how you behave in your car, how you behave because you have certain letters behind your name, not the other way around. An example of this would be if you had a certain car or you lived in a certain home and it may have been an upgrade from the car you had before or the home you lived in before. In and of itself, nothing about you changed. You got a preference. So if you wanted a different car because you liked the way it handled or the heated seats felt good, it gave you some measure of happiness to enjoy this vehicle or living in a certain neighborhood. You like the proximity to your job or you like the neighborhood amenities that it has. These things in and of itself are not bad. And if you're doing them from an internal motivation, that is self-referral. But if you think that being in this car or being in this house now has made me a better person than I was when I lived in the smaller house, or I am more deserving of some other benefit in life or comparing myself to others, I'm better now because I live in this house or drive this car, that's object referral. That's what we went over last week. The main takeaway is that you are not defined by anything externally. It's actually the exact opposite of that. You define roles, the possessions, the accomplishments, because who else can be the mom to your children? No one. They wouldn't be the same mom. No other person that does your job that you go to work and do can do it in the exact way that you do. Only you can do that. Whatever possession you have. This is a good example because many people can wear the exact same outfit, but each person looks different in it. That's why the object referral is such a, it's a scam basically, because it will make you think that these external things are defining you, but actually it's you defining those things. 
Because no one can do anything exactly like you do it. You were created uniquely and specifically, with the exception of people that were multiples at birth, twins, triplets. You don't even have the same DNA as anyone else. There's roughly, what, 8 billion people on earth? So for all intents and purposes, you're one in 8 billion. There's no one else that can do what you do in the way that you do it. Okay, so let's just look at our homework real quick. Our homework was to notice any negative emotions related to our roles, titles, possessions, accomplishments. Did you see anything that you felt threatened by something that someone did or even just a remembrance of something that happened that threatened how you thought of yourself in a role or in a title or how dare they talk to me like that? I'm the manager or that's my child. Did any of that come up for you? Okay, so you noticed it. Yeah, good job. And if you earned extra credit, you were able to shift it to self-referral, indicating I am the manager, but I can see another person's perspective. They still are worthy of input, and I just have a different role than that person. If you were able to do that, great job. Give yourself a pat on the back. Congratulate yourself for showing up for yourself. If you didn't do it, you still have the opportunity to go back, listen to episode two, and do your homework. In the welcome episode, I mentioned that one of the learning objectives that I have is to fall madly in love with yourself. Extreme self-love. As the poet Rumi talks about, there's no one who is more worthy of your love than you are. And that's where I want us to pull from. Basically, every other aspect of our life pulls from the truth that our love for ourselves is the most important thing and it can never be taken away, no matter what happens externally. The key to any relationship, including the one that we have with ourself, is how intimate are you with you? Not love below intimacy, even though that's fine too. Self-love is the best love, of course. But I'm talking about into me see, knowing yourself. Self-awareness. Self-awareness is recognizing your individuality accepting your emotions, your desires, and how they play out in your choices and actions, but without judging them as right or wrong, just what is. Expect that feelings will come up. We have emotions, that's a part of the human experience. And all of your feelings are valid. They may not be factual because feelings are not facts, but they are valid because they came to tell you something. They came to tell you something about you, not about what triggered them. Actually, emotions are how our soul communicates with us. Our soul meaning our mind, will, emotions, desires, all of that is our soul. And when the emotion delivers the message, you can see if it's based on object referral or self-referral. What this requires is not acting before you process the emotion. 
So real time, a good way to do this is to just listen, not to be waiting to respond, but literally taking in and processing. Now, I'm a talker, so this is something that was a little harder for me to pick up on, but practice, practice, practice. So when you're taking in the information, really just stay focused on listening. Don't let your mind start to wander. And you will notice like you'll have pauses. And in those pauses, after the person has said what they're saying, or you've witnessed the thing that is triggering you, or even if it's a memory, before you respond, either in words or in a thought stream, let the emotion really just come up, sit with the emotion, and it is going to give you some feedback. That feedback is where you're going to get the message. An example of this would be when someone honks at me, it triggers me (laughs) terribly. It triggers me because Though I'm not accident prone or anything like that, I know that I don't pay the best attention when I'm driving. And I know that that is the difference between me driving well and not driving well. So when someone honks at me, it reminds me that most often I'm not paying attention. I didn't see the light change or something like that. And now I take that and the feelings I have about myself not being a good driver are activated. I have a choice in this moment to recognize that this is factual information. A trigger brought up a thought about myself that I keep about myself. Or... I can just in that moment respect that the light has changed or whatever has transpired and move along, keep my day moving. I have a choice in that moment. Often, if I'm honest, depending on the day, if I'm real petty betty that day, I'll just sit there just to annoy the person (laughs) that is behind me. That is me being annoyed that they brought up that thought pattern in me. I won't say that full sentence to myself, but that's what's happened. I'm not annoyed because some stranger that I don't know pressed the horn on their car, which they own and they can press it anytime they want. That literally has nothing to do with me. But I took it in and made it about myself and then used that to make a choice or a decision. Now, what if... This person decided, oh, I feel a way about you sitting still. I have somewhere to be. And now they have road rage. They have pulled on the side of me and started cussing me. Or worst case scenario, they have pulled out a weapon. All of this because I was triggered about how I feel about my driving. Truth be told, I'm not willing to do something about my driving. So in that moment to act upon something and be annoyed that someone else is bothered by how I drive is kind of mm, an oxymoron. It's backwards because why, if I'm not willing to do something about it, am I mad because someone made this observation or their actions triggered me into believing they've made that observation? 
Triggers are tricky because they are coming through your five senses. You see something, you hear something, you feel something, smell something, taste something, and it triggers you. However, the trigger itself is not what we want to focus on because immediately, if you let the trigger be your primary focus, you won't get the message and you will have a automatic response. Actually, you'll have a reaction. You're acting in the way you acted previously when the emotions that are triggered come up. You don't get a chance in the moment to decide for yourself if that is actually how you want to respond now. It's so easy to focus on the trigger, but the key is stay neutral. Stay neutral. Yes, a person can be being a jerk. That is not going to go away. Yes, a person could be as wrong as two left shoes. Yes, it could be a total justifiable response that you have. But is it who you want to show up as? That's the question. And do you want this trigger to be able to control how you show up? Stay neutral. If you focus on the trigger, you can't stay self-aware because now you've made it about the external thing. You've become object referred instead of self-referred. Stay self-aware. I like to think of it as wound versus wound. What requires the healing? If you got shot, I don't mean to sound morbid, but if you got shot or if you got stabbed or someone hit you with a bat, and you were actually injured, would you spend the time trying to figure out why they did that at that moment? Or would you go and seek help for what has happened? Because if someone shoots you or stabs you, the time you spend trying to ask them, well, why would you do that? Is the difference between your life and death. Think of triggers in that way. Of course, that's an extreme example, but not really. It just takes doing that over and over again for you to now have died to your ability to respond as you want to respond and not based on what has triggered you. Often, the trigger is not at the root of the wound. Say you have this wound and someone brushes up against it. It wasn't hurting. You kind of had started to deal with the pain. It had a scab maybe, or you just knew how to hold it in a certain way so it wasn't being touched or the pain wasn't being activated. Somebody rubbed against it. So you can spend energy focused on who's rubbing against it or spend the energy on actually getting to the root cause of the womb. I'm gonna say this again for the people in the back. Most importantly is to remember not to judge it. It's not good or bad. It is just what it is. It is what it is, as they used to say, or they still say. Objectivity is needed for any real assessment because if you are assessing based on good or bad, then you can't really determine what is the current state. When you are tempted to go with a judgment of good or bad, think about it more in terms of where I am currently 
And is this aligned with where I want to go? Your starting address in the GPS is not right or wrong. It's just your starting point. Then based on where you're trying to go, you can adjust accordingly to get to where you're trying to go. That wraps up today's lesson of self-awareness. You get to decide whether you're going to focus on the trigger or whether you're going to focus on yourself in that moment and what is the best way to show up authentically as who you are. Now let's take a little break and uh, when we come back we'll talk about Cite Your Source for this week. And we're back with another segment for Cite Your Source. This week I want to talk about one of my absolutely favorite authors. Actually, she is my auntie in my head my role model in holistic life coaching and just a a lady that I feel like I know and love. That is the one and only Ayan Levanzant. I have read many of her books on my healing journey and all of them have done miraculous things for me. I highly recommend her, but this particular book called Get Over It, Thought Therapy for Healing Hard Stuff was published in 2018 and what she's done in this book is basically tackle negative thought patterns and techniques you can use to deal with them it's 42 different topics that just cover a gamut there is an alphabetical order there's abandonment anger betrayal self-doubt just a number of topics and each one has a specific prayer and affirmation associated with it. She gives you instructions on how to work with each of those things until you get a level of healing from it. The other thing that she has some techniques that are very good, one of which is EFT. This is also called the emotional freedom technique or tapping. And you use these acupressure points and kind of a questioning system. You can Google it, but she has a specific way to do it in her book. You use that to kind of release the negative energy as far as the feeling of the negative emotion in your body and how it is ultimately impacting you and you tap it out. And it is, it's an amazing technique. If you Google it or YouTube it, you'll see people doing it and the, the benefit that you get almost immediately from doing a couple of rounds of it. It only takes a few minutes, to be honest. And then she talks about the eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. This is a technique where you move your eyes in a certain directions and it basically retrains your brain and connects neurons in a different way that also gives you a release from negative emotion because you know negative emotions build up in our body and that's why you have 
illnesses and back pains and aches and all those kind of stuff because this energy of these emotions, your mind takes a snapshot of them and they remain there until you release them. One of the main things with this book is it teaches you how to release those emotions and get the negative thought patterns under control so they won't control you. Again, the book is Get Over It, Thought Therapy for Healing Hard Stuff by Ayanla Van Zant. It's available in Kindle, Audible books, anywhere books are sold. Pick up a copy of this book. I highly recommend it. I highly recommend the audio version as well. You will not regret it. It will help tremendously with removing negative thought patterns and giving you some tools that you will use throughout your healing journey. When we come back, we will do one of my favorite segments, What Had Happened Was, a.k.a. IRL. In today's segment, What Had Happened Was, I'm going to talk about a time when I was triggered, didn't even really know why. I had to go back to the source. As you know, if you've listened to my welcome episode, I am a South Side of Chicago girl, tried and true. My whole childhood was spent there with some brief stint in California and New Jersey. But by and large, everything I remember was on them streets of the South Side of Chicago. One thing that we used to do every Saturday is go to the movies at the Rhodes Theater on 79th Street. Now, my mom and dad, suffice it to say, Papa was a rolling stone and Mama was quite popular. They both were married three, four times each respectively, and they had sets of children with each of their partners, and those were my siblings. My youngest brother and I, and one older brother, a couple of years older than me, we mainly grew up in the house together, but... The majority of my siblings, quite a bit older than uh, myself, and they would come over from time to time on the weekends and spend the weekends. I had uh, my mother's oldest two daughters would come and they would take a a number of things. They would braid our hair. They put us up on like uh, peppermint in the pickle, all kind of good, wonderful stuff. Shout out to my big sister. And they would take us to the movies at the Rose Theater, like I mentioned. And back then, this is a side note, you could take $5. This is like the 80s. You could take $5. I remember it was a Saturday matinee. I would have money to get in the movies, get popcorn, drink, and licorice in the movies. Also, bus fare there and back, and maybe a hot dog and fries on the way home. was a tremendous amount of money at the time, but I digress. My sister loved scary movies. Hated them. I never liked scary movies. But I didn't want to be banned from hanging with my big sisters. They would say, don't tell mama, we got to see this. Don't say nothing or you're not going to be able to come next time. In my mind, I had this thing where I would go to a scary movie with someone, even though I do like scary movies. I would have to say my youngest 
belly fruit dad took me to the last scary movie that I saw and that was hostile. I just remember thinking to myself while I was sitting there, I'm not enjoying myself at all. I didn't like the feeling of being afraid. It wasn't enjoyable to me. But what I had done was decide that me being afraid of the movie was related to things that my sister used to say. Oh, you're scary. Oh, you're a crybaby. Oh, you're this, you're that. So in my mind, I had equated the scary movie, the trigger to what I actually felt about the scary movies when in actuality, I just don't like being afraid. It's not my genre of movie. It may be for someone else. I noticed people who like scary movies, like my youngest son likes scary movies. They don't scare him. He is often laughing during them. So his experience of that is much different. He can watch a scary movie and enjoy it. What I had to figure out about myself was, why am I still going to scary movies on what is supposed to be an enjoyable experience? Because now I don't have to go. It's not required. I get to choose with the person that I'm going with or spending time with the movie that I want to see and something that could be mutually enjoyable for both of us. But I had to think about that in terms of why I agreed to go to that movie with him. And it was because I wanted to spend time with him and I didn't want my fear of the scary movie to be judged as a reason to not spend time with me. This, of course, was at least 25 years later from when I was going to that movie with my sisters when I was a little girl. But because I had never really looked at it from a place of self-awareness, I was doing an action that was not serving me, that I did not enjoy because of something that happened in my childhood. This is the problem with triggers. They stop your individuality. Because the truth of the matter is, I just don't enjoy scary movies. That's not good or bad. It's just what is aligned with my person. It doesn't say anything about other people who do like scary movies. It doesn't say anything negative about myself. It just is a fact. I don't enjoy it. I don't like my heart racing. I don't like the feeling of being afraid. And that is okay. But if I would have taken the time to really ask myself, why am I not enjoying this scary movie instead of thinking to myself that, oh, I have to do this or someone else is going to think badly or negatively of me. I had to choose myself in that moment. And what I like, what was of service to me. That's what I want you to take away from this week's episode. That you do not decide your behavior, your actions, your choices based on external factors. Who will be okay with it? Who will be with me if I decide to do it? Because trust me, if you really Get in tune with yourself, with your star player, as Cat Williams said years ago. You won't even care who comes along with you, but someone will come along with you because 
you're clear on your intentions and you will start to attract people who also have those same intentions. This is core to the healing process. Knowing you, knowing what you like and don't like, this will help you begin to create boundaries, which will ultimately grow into standard. It's not in judgment of anyone else. It just is in service to you because the bottom line is you spend the most time with you. You should enjoy that time. You won't know how to enjoy that time unless you take the time to get to know yourself. Intimacy, self-awareness, that's putting the blinders on to the triggers, then looking within to see what is impacting me in this moment. And that wraps up this week's episode. I'm so glad you joined me and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Okay, until I see you again, I'm going to ask you to do me one favor, and I'll ask you to do this for me every week. That is live, love, and thrive. Thanks, love. Oops, I almost forgot. Class was great today, but it does seem like a week is a long time to wait if you have questions or concerns. I won't leave you out there like that. You can find me on the socials at Seabliss Wellness on IG. Facebook, and YouTube if you need me. 